Hello, you're about to hear Good Morning Seminole, our monthly signature event. Please enjoy. Please join me in welcoming the CEO of the Central Florida Zoo and Botanical Gardens, Richard. A little bit about the zoo and also talk a little bit about some of the struggles we've had over the last few years through COVID, through the hurricanes last fall, um, and how we've come out the other side and what we're doing next. So, um, but before that, and I can't believe I'm the first one to say this today, may the fourth be with you. So we're in the process right now of redoing our strategic plan, our master plan, um, and business plan. And so part of that, we have just adopted last month a new mission and vision. So those are on the screen right now. Our mission is we create connections that inspire people to take action for wildlife. Um, and our vision, a world where animals and people thrive together. Um, you'll see me and my element there. Uh, the reason I do this, I have a real passion for animal conservation. I have loved animals all my life. Um, I learned about 15 years ago, I started learning about all the species that were disappearing across the world. And, and I actually, at that time, was working in the horse racing industry and decided I wanted to change fields because I really wanted to be part of trying to save some of these species. I didn't want kids growing up not ever seeing a tiger, a lion, a rhino, an elephant. Um, so that's kind of become my mission. Uh, and in particular, I started volunteering at a, a zoo in Waco, Texas, um, and they had rhinos, and I started learning about the rhino species and poaching and the fact that people think that their horns actually have medicinal purposes, things like that. Their horns are actually made out of keratin, the same thing as your fingernails and your hair. Um, but as I learned those things, I fell in love with those species and realized this really was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So one of the things that's really important to me is the zoo is a place for everyone, and I want to make sure everyone feels welcome and everyone understands, like, you don't have to be, exactly as Rebecca said, you don't have to be a kid, you don't have to have kids. It's a great place to be, it's a great atmosphere. We're both a zoo and a botanical garden, so it's just a nice place to walk around and spend an afternoon. Uh, one of the things that's really important to us is we are accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. The reason that's so important to us, there are over 3,000 different places around this country that are licensed to hold and exhibit animals. The ones that actually hold themselves to the accreditation standards that AZA has, 238. We have been continuously accredited since 1986. So you know when you come to our zoo or any other AZA zoo, the, the highest level of animal care, the highest level of business standards, all of those things are being observed, and we get reaccredited every five years. We have a mid-year cycle, two, two and a half years in, so it's a constant process of making sure everything we do is up to the standards they need to be to make sure the animals in our care have everything they need. Um, also, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums works cooperatively to create breeding populations of a lot of the endangered and vulnerable species, so that if for some reason they need to be replaced in the wild, those are existing in our zoos and aquariums. Um, we're excited that this year officially is our 100th year in Seminole County. So it's, we, we, we weren't exactly a zoo in the beginning. We were a few animals in the firehouse, but 
the first animals were given to the firehouse in 1923. So later this year, we will be doing a celebration of the 100th year. We're, we're really excited to have been in this community that long, um, and we think that's a really significant milestone. Um, just recently, a couple of months ago, we were nominated by an independent panel of the USA Today as one of the top 20 zoos in the nation that was voting. We didn't make the top 10. We were hoping to. A few days before the voting ends, they stopped showing where you rank. We were at 15 at that point. But just to have even been chosen by that independent panel as one of the top 20 zoos was a real honor. So we're really proud of that, and we want the community to know you know, this isn't a zoo that's just a little small community zoo that nobody else cares about. This is a zoo that, that people realize we're doing good things around the nation. So let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 and the hurricanes. So COVID-19 was obviously hard for us, like it was most of your businesses. Um, we were closed for two months. Uh, after that, we reopened and we started a fundraising campaign called No Zoo Without You. Over the course of the next year and a half or so, we raised over $2.5 million. Without that, the zoo would have closed. Um, you know, big shout out to the county, especially the county gave us through the CARES Act money they got, 1.55 million of that 2.5 million we got, and 300,000 from the Tourism Development Council. City of Sanford gave us 25,000 and the rest was all private gifts. Uh, we also got a PPP loan. We've done the employee retention credit. We haven't actually gotten that money yet, but that should be coming soon. But it's those kind of things that allowed us to survive. Um, you know, and we've been, from that we learned, we really have to put more money away in our reserves in order to survive something like that going forward. So we really have made a concerted effort to do that. Um, I'm going to show you this video. We were closed for 28 days from Hurricane Ian. Uh, it wasn't from the hurricane. The hurricane did some damage on the property in terms of um, some flooding to buildings, a lot of trees down, a lot of debris, um, some a little bit of damage to a few of the fences, but all the animals were safe, all the people were safe throughout. What really got us was after the flood was uh, after the hurricane was over. The flooding, all the water, stormwater coming down from Sanford towards Lake Monroe settles at the front of our property. So what you're gonna see is about a minute of video. This is our road in and out of the zoo, our only access road in and out of the zoo during that time. So at this point, the water was over two feet standing on the road. Um, so what you're seeing that vehicle is actually a lull that we strapped a metal tub to in order to be able to bring deliveries like food, medicine, things like that for the animals in and out. Um, otherwise, once it got this high, the only way we could get in and out of the zoo, uh, the county helped us make an arrangement with SunRail, and we crossed over the SunRail line into our back overflow parking lot kind of near Monroe um, twice a day. They gave us 30-minute windows. All of us had to be in at the same time and out at the same time every day for a month and they were so generous to do that because every time we went, we had to be supervised for safety. So that's I mean, what's right there. Normally you see parking lot, retention pond, everything was pond. We truly were a wetlands then. It was, there were people saying we should use that lull and charge people for rides at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just gives you a sense of, of what we had. Um, but we overall, um, you know, we were closed for 28 days. That was 10 days longer than anyone else, including the Naples Zoo. Uh, we had damage in the amount of about $417,000. Uh, 
and we lost about $30,000 a day every day we were closed in terms of actual expenses, feeding the animals, paying our staff, all of those kinds of things. That doesn't even talk about any lost revenue from ticket sales, things like that. So overall, the loss to us from Hurricane Ian was close to a million dollars. We did a fundraising campaign. We raised over 300000 from that, but the rest of it came out of our operating money and our reserves. So it's a tough, been a tough fiscal year for us, for sure, um, but we're so grateful that the damage was only buildings and trees and things like that, that all of our animals stayed safe throughout and all of our staff stayed safe. So, you know, it, it's one of those things you, you don't want to go through, and you certainly, as hurricane season approaches again, we're all holding our breath, but, um, you know, the important thing is that everyone ended up safe. So Seminole County came in and helped us with our fundraising campaign. They came in before we were reopened and filmed this video. It's about two minutes long, but I just wanted to show it because we so appreciate it, and I think it captures a little bit about the team and, and how we handled things. So again, we're very grateful to Seminole County for helping us with that. It was, it was instrumental in us being able to send out things, and people really understand the situation to raise funds. But the good thing is we got through those, and we are now, although I will admit we're still doing some repairs, um, but we are, uh, we're in a good place. We've had a great fall and great spring. Spring break was huge. Um, so now I'll just tell you a little bit more about the zoo itself. So our last fiscal year, we had record attendance of over 440,000 visitors. Um, from that, you'll see a little bit about the demographics. I won't go too deeply into that. Spring break zip codes, I wanted to show this. Um, you will see over the course of this year's spring break, we literally had people from all over. And I think this is something people don't always understand about the zoo. Over our last fiscal year, 32% of our visitors came from 100 miles or more away. And I think a lot of people think we're just a local zoo, but we actually do draw people from all over. Um, our education programs, I'll just go through this very quickly, but we have a lot of different kinds of education programs. Um, everything from you know, your, your kind of normal camps and outreach programs where we take animals out to schools, things like that, to homeschool programs. Um, but Overall, our, during that last fiscal year, our educational programs saw learners of all ages, over 43,000 of them. So we, we do impact people from all over this county and a few other counties around us with our education programs. We also have volunteer programs. If you look at the number of volunteer hours that we had over the last year, that equivalates to a whole lot of work that doesn't have to be done by staff. And as a nonprofit, we could never staff to the level we need to do all that work. So volunteers are so important to us. And one of the great things about volunteers, we have our steady volunteers that show up every couple of days, every week. They come for events and, and they help us staff those. We also have volunteer groups. We have companies, like a lot of your companies, that will come out and bring 30 or 40 people for a team building event and volunteer at the zoo. And that's really beneficial to us. So we, we hope that some of y'all will consider doing that. One of the things I am most proud of is our conservation work. So I talked a little bit about the, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums and how we work together with species. So we have what's called species survival plans for those threatened and vulnerable species where we breed them, we move them around to keep the genetic pool diverse. Um, we participate in 30 of those different ones um, with the AZA. And so there are times where 
it's hard because one of our animals will be called to go breed at another place and we have to say goodbye to them and then a new one comes to us. Um, but it's so important that we all work together and do this because it would be so easy for some of these populations in the wild, especially the ones that are really critically endangered, to disappear with one disease outbreak. Um, one of the things a lot of people don't know that we have is in Eustace, we actually have a second property. It's our Orion Center for Indigo Conservation where we breed and we eventually re-release with partners indigo snakes throughout the region into their native habitats. Indigo snakes are really important to the ecosystems around here. One of the things they do to keep other snakes under control, they actually eat other venomous snakes. That's one of their main sources of diet. So if you don't like snakes, you should like these. <laughs> um, but we're really proud that for the size zoo we are, very few zoos our size are actually the lead institution on any particular endangered species or threatened species in the country. We are the lead institution for indigo snakes. So we actually wrote the handbook on how to breed and raise them, and the other AZA institutions all work with us on this project. So, so we're really proud of that. Out of that area, we also do the same thing with striped newts, which are also vulnerable. We've released literally thousands of striped newts back into the same environment. Um, one of the things that's really exciting we've got going right now, we have a pair of amur leopards. There are only about 200 amur leopards left in the world. The ones, there's only about 70 left out in the wild and they are all right around the Russia-China border. So it's a perfect example of a population that with a disease outbreak, you could see the entire population go. So the ones we have in zoos and aquariums are so important and continue to breed more so that if at some point we need to put them back out in the wild, we'll be able to. So we have a breeding pair and we got authorization from AZA this spring that we can breed our pair. So we are currently in the process of introducing the male and female, which is <laughs> challenging. Um, they are, well, I should, I should rephrase that. She is scary. There's just no getting around it. So in, in a situation like this, and many times with, with these animals, the, the female is in charge. And the male takes their cue, their cues from the female. She's aggressive. Um, and we put the, we've been able to put them physically together once. There was a little tussle. Um, and then we separated them. She was in estrus at that time. She's back out of estrus, but when she goes back into estrus again, we will put them together again and hope this time they breed. He's doing all the right things. He's, <laughs> he's paying attention. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's quite a process. But the other thing we're doing right now, we have them off exhibit in the back area of the zoo to do these introductions in a very controlled environment. And then if we're successful and they breed and she has cubs, number one, it's a huge thing for conservation. And to be able to do that, we're really proud. But number two, um, you know, we want those cubs to have a little bit of time when they're born somewhere in the back, safe and quiet, so they can get strong enough that then we can put them out in front of the public. We are also in the process of, we're about to start construction on that exhibit that already exists, we're expanding it, and it's gonna be a lot bigger, so it'll be able to house all of them together. So we're excited about that. That should be finished somewhere probably early fall. And we hope by then we have cubs and we are able to put them almost immediately in there. But we're really excited about this project because how often, number one, do you get to see animals that there are only 200 of left in the world? But to be able to be part of trying to bring that species back, that's really, it's, it's for, for the team really inspirational and really exciting. 
Um, no question, it's, it's one of the things we all are, you know, on pins and needles going, please, please, please let this work. So, um, we have a lot of events at the zoo, and Rebecca was talking about events you can walk around and drink. Well, one of our biggest fundraisers of the year is Brews Around the Zoo. It's the second uh, Saturday of every April. We just had it this a few weeks ago, and it was sold out. Um, we have over 30 stations with beer sampling, beer, wine, seltzer sampling. We have live music. We have um, you know, lots of food options, but it's a great night and something that you know, the zoo is open, you get to go through and you get to see all the animals that want to be out. That's one of the things we do with our evening events. We don't put our animals away. What we do is we give them choice. So their night areas, if they want to go in them, they can. If they don't, they stay out. One of the things that fascinated us last fall with our Asian Lantern Festival, our two cheetahs stayed out every night. They were really interested in what was going on. Our warthogs, on the other hand, are a little skittish, and they did not come out once. But then at Bruce, they were out the whole time. So <laughs> who knows? And, and our, our greater one-horned rhino PJ loves the attention. He loves a crowd. So he loves when we have evening events. He actually shows off, runs around, and has a good time. But usually the problem with that is the next morning, he doesn't want to come out of the barn because he's tired. <laughs> so our, our Asian Lantern Festival is, is our most successful evening event. We saw a record almost 93,000 people over 41 nights this last November through January. We'll be doing it again mid-November through mid-January. One of the things I want to tell this group, we have lots of sponsorship opportunities related to this. Um, every single display has a sponsorship opportunity in addition to the music and other things. So um, it, it's great. It has is, it is now become the biggest, you know, most well-attended thing in Seminole County over the holidays. And we're really proud of that. The, the year before, thank you. The year before that, our attendance was over 89,000. So this, is, this wasn't just a surprise spike. This is, the demand is there. The first year we did it was a little under 50,000, and then it exploded after that. So we're very proud. The word of mouth is good. And it just, because of the way it, it because of what it is and the situation with all the trees and boardwalk and everything, our zoo is the perfect atmosphere for something like this, and it just works really well. One of the other things we do is from May through September, we have Sunsets at the Zoo on the fourth Friday of every month. This year, we're trying something new as part of our DEIA initiative. We're theming each one of those. So each month, we'll have a different theme, and there'll be entertainment, there'll be food, things like that that are themed to whatever that theme for the month is. But along with that, you've got, you know, you're always going to have story time for kids if you want it. You can walk around and drink. It's adults and kids. You do what you want. The splash pad will be open for kids, but there'll be... There'll be plenty of things to do. We'll have bounce houses. I mean, there's, there's lots of opportunities for families, but as adults, there's lots of things you can do that you don't have to necessarily hang out where the families are, and that's the great thing about a zoo. You've got 24 acres that you can just walk around, and if you don't want to be in an area with screaming kids, you don't have to. <laughs> and again, the animals are out. So they, they happen from um, 5 o'clock until a little after whenever sunset is, so usually somewhere around 8 o'clock. Um, one of the nice things we're really proud of about these events is they're at a really low price point. So, you know, normally our ticket's are around $22 for, a, for an adult. For these, it's $8, and if you buy your tickets online, it's 6 So this is the kinds of events where we're trying to create accessibility 
for more of the community that may not be able to come at other times. So if you know people that might struggle to come at other times and afford the zoo, please tell them about these events. This is an opportunity we can do that as a nonprofit. We obviously can't discount things like that all the time, but this is an opportunity we can, and we'd really like to have as many people as, as want to come to these. Um, other things we have, and you'll see the stormtrooper again, um, we have our, boo around, boo, our, our zoo boo bash for Halloween. That'll be three uh, weekends this October. We have our hippity hop for Easter. Um, we have Veterans Day at the zoo. And then we have different conservation days across the year. Everything from you know, Endangered Species Day to days that highlight a very specific animal. But on those days, we have extra activities, extra talks with the animals and the keepers, things like that. Um, but these are great days to come out uh, and just learn a little bit more about the animals. And then we do private events. We do a lot of private events. Everything from your weddings to family reunions, birthdays, all those kinds of things. We do corporate events, including with our Seminole Area Adventures. We have zipline course and challenges that can be used as team building. So lots of options there for groups of all sizes. Um, as far as what's coming up for the zoo, we are, as I said, we're currently in strategic planning. We plan to wrap up that process probably by the end of June, um, at which point we'll have a pretty good idea where we're going over the next 20 years. And that's obviously somewhat of a living plan that'll change along with economic you know, factors and things around as we go through the time. But, but it gives us road marks to where to go. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to be able to show people, look, we're gonna expand, we're gonna be bringing more things and give you some idea of what the timeline of some of those are gonna be. Um, we'll continue to make improvements to the current facility. So one of the things we've been doing over the last couple of years is replacing a lot of our boardwalks. A lot of our boardwalks have gotten old, replacing it with composite that'll last longer. Um, but we're doing a lot of work around the zoo, just trying to make things you know, as comfortable and as accessible for guests as we can. The other thing is the train is finally coming back. We have a new train. It was so close to being back before the hurricane, and then the hurricane did all kinds of damage to the tracks and the crossing yards. So we've spent months fixing those. We've gone through two of the three inspections. We have a state inspection left to go, and if everything goes well, it should be open by Memorial Day weekend. And then the last thing I wanna leave you with, so I told you our rhino, PJ, loves a crowd. This is actually a short video of him at our bruise at the zoo because he had his zoomies. So, so we went into that back area, and that area typically, it's, I mean, it's another yard he could use, but he literally only uses that for a bathroom. <laughs> he came back out, he waited for the crowd to make noise, and they didn't. He threw up his head, and then when the crowd made noise, he started running again. <laughs> Gives you a little idea of his personality. Thank y'all so much for the time today. Um, I don't know if we have time for questions. Yeah, we can take two questions real quick. And um, Emmalyn will bring the mic because remember this is being recorded. So speak into the mic with your question. I know you said you had that total damage from Hurricane Ian, but when Nicole came through, did you have additional flooding? Did it affect you even more? We, we all held our breath and were terrified, and we were so fortunate that we had nothing significant. We had some debris, and, and that was about it. Do you have any other questions? 
so question, uh, how do the animals react with the lighting during the uh, Asian Lantern Festival? Do those lights uh, disturb the animals in any way? The lights don't, but I will say when they install the big giant dragon across from the cheetah, or anything they install across from the cheetahs, for a few days, the cheetahs stalk around because they think it might be something they could eat. After a couple of days, they pretty much settle. We do have a few animals that don't like the noise and crowds at night. So you'll see there are a few areas that we do have closed off and you can't walk through during those. That's the reason, is for those, they can still have their peace and quiet. But overall, it, they get used to things pretty quickly. Um, so like fireworks is something we would never try. They would not handle that. But otherwise, the noise, the lights for, for events, they all handle pretty well. so much, Richard. And another fun fact about PJ is he can paint. I have a custom painting from PJ. That was one of the COVID fundraisers they did. So that's pretty cool. I think they have them in the gift shop. You can check that out. Thank you so much, Richard. We so appreciate everything that you do in the community and that we have such a great local zoo. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Seminole County Chamber, please visit SeminoleBusiness.org or check us out on our social media at Seminole County Chamber.